Well, good morning. Good to see you. Good morning. Good afternoon. Um, we're in the series, Ethics in Room 21C. This is actually our, our third series on the book of Exodus. Uh, two summers ago, we did a series entitled Mighty to Save. Last summer, it was entitled God Revealed. And so if you want to catch up, you can watch those messages online. Just visit our website. Uh, we started this series, Ethics in Room 21C, last weekend. And so how should we live in the 21st century? And today we're going to look at the fifth word. Honor your father and mother. Now, if you grew up in a home where you were loved, you were cared for by your parents, you probably hear those words and you say, yes, that is exactly what I want to do. What a privilege to honor my parents. If you grew up in a home where you were not loved and cared for by your parents, maybe you hear those words and you say, no, that's exactly what I don't want to do. They don't deserve it. We come from different home environments. Maybe you come from a home which was heavily influenced by Confucian role ethics. Confucius, he wrote in his book, The Classic of Filial Piety, I'll quote him, this is what he wrote, in serving his parents... A filial son reveres them in daily life. He makes them happy while he nourishes them. He takes anxious care of them in sickness. He shows great sorrow over their death, and he sacrifices to them with solemnity. So Confucius, he considered respect for parents, elders, ancestors to be the root of virtue, to be the very foundation of a good society. Maybe you come from a home where uh, respect for, support for parents were highly valued. Maybe you've been influenced by the Canadian educational system, and so you've been taught to blaze your own path and even question the wisdom of your parents. Maybe you uh, come from a home where children live very independently of their parents, Maybe you come from a home that is kind of between cultures. There's tension between the way your parents see things and the way you see things here in Canada. So no matter where we come from, how would we apply what the Lord says to us? Honor your father and mother. As we saw last week, the first four words, the first four commandments, they teach us how to love God. They teach us how to keep our relationship with Him alive. And the last uh, six words, um, the last six words, they tell us how to love others, how to live with others in, in a healthy, harmonious manner. Our relationship with God, our vision of who He is, will deeply influence how we relate to other people. So the first of the last six words is this fifth word that we find in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, and it has to do with family relationships. Exodus 20, verse 12, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So a question that we would probably ask is, is this word for all time? Is it for all cultures? Is it valid under every uh, circumstance? If you read through the scriptures, you'll notice that the Old Testament prophets, they cite this word in their prophetic messages. You'll see that Jesus quotes this word. Paul quotes this word as they give instruction to disciples, disciples uh, in the church. An overview of scripture would tell us that this fifth word is 
valid for all time. It's valid in every culture. It's valid in every circumstance. Why does God begin this last series of six words which are focused on how we should love other people? Why would he begin with a relationship with our parents? John Durham, he writes this in his commentary on Genesis. The first relationship beyond the relationship with Yahweh, Yahweh being the uh, personal name for God, the Hebrew name for God, the first relationship beyond the, beyond the relationship with Yahweh, who according to the Old Testament is the giver of life, is the relationship to father and to mother, who together are the channel of Yahweh's gift of life. No other human relationship is so fundamental and none is so important. That's a, a powerful word in our day. But what he's saying is that just as the relationship with God is foundational for all of life, so our relationship with our parents is the foundation of human society. The family is the building block. It's the basic unit of every society on earth. So we honor our parents, the first point in our outline, we honor our parents because this relationship is foundational to every other relationship. God's intention for the family is that it be, for the children, their first school, their first hospital, the first place that they are cared for, their first government as they experience their parents' authority, their first church. The family, the most intimate social relationship, it profoundly influences every other relationship in life. Children are to learn to love their neighbor at home. Secondly, the call to honor our parents, it's, it's a call to reflect God's character, his character. Listen to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 2. Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Interesting here in Leviticus that the mother is mentioned before the father, and very interesting that mother and father are given equal status. That would have been very exceptional in the ancient Near East. So the word to honor our parents, it's based on who God is. It comes right out of his character, his way of being, his pattern of conduct. Listen to Jesus, the son, teaching his disciples to pray. He says, pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So he's teaching his disciples to honor the father as he does. Listen to the father speaking to the disciples. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. As we read through the Gospels, we discover that father and son, they always speak well of one another. They always honor one another. The Trinity just exists within this culture of honor. So the second point in your outline, we honor our parents because God's culture is one of honor. That's the way God is. Now, I think you would agree with me that in Canada, we live in a culture of dishonor. Uh, people slander others very easily. Uh, authority on all levels is questioned readily. It's even encouraged. And we think this is just the way it is. It's normal. In Scripture, it's a sign of the last days. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. 
But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. If we claim to be followers of Jesus, if we claim to be among those that honor God and we dishonor our parents at the same time, there's something wrong with our understanding of who God is and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. When I was a teenager, uh, I thought my parents had it all wrong. Very unusual, right, for a teenager to think that way. I read an interesting quip this week. It said, uh, when I was 17, I knew my parents had it all wrong. When I turned 27, I was amazed by how much they had learned in 10 years. (laughs) But truly, when I was 17 years old, I thought my parents had it all wrong. I embraced a culture of dishonor. I didn't think too much before I spoke badly of them. And I thought I was justified in my criticism. I rebelled against their authority. I left home when I was 17. I wanted to be far from them. My heart was far from God. It wasn't unusual for me to say to myself, I want to live my life. I am going to define my own identity away from my parents. So naive. So naive. Because first of all, What we do affects our parents, and our lives are intricately interwoven. We actually cannot separate ourselves from our family environment, from the family that we are born into. Now, God, in his grace, infinite grace, drew me to himself. I was in Texas, uh, 19 years old, far from home, and uh, experienced the love of Jesus. And I, by God's grace, surrendered my heart to Jesus. And the first thing God convicted me of was that I needed to call my parents and ask for forgiveness. So this was quite some time. Do you remember pay phones? So there was a pay phone where I was staying, and I went up to it, and I uh, called Collect. (laughs) And, you know, an operator would come on, hey, this is uh, Ray, do you accept the charges? And uh, I don't know what my parents were thinking on the other end of the line when they they heard that, but even when I was asking for forgiveness, they had to pay for it. (laughs) So I asked for forgiveness, and uh, that was a, a really good moment. But one of the first things we learn as we start to follow Jesus is that our lives belong to God, and we begin to see those around us in a new light. It's like our eyes are open to a new reality. What does it mean to honor? To honor is to give weight to. It is to esteem. And so when we're honoring our parents, we are giving due weight to their value. We're prizing them as God's gift to us. Smalley and Trent, in their book, The Gift of Honor, they write this, honor is a decision we make to attribute high value worth and importance to another person, considering that person to be a gift beyond value and granting that person in our lives a position worthy of great respect. Love is to put our decision into action. So with regard to parents, uh, honoring them is more than just being submissive or respectful. We honor our parents when we just love them for who they are. 
and we give them precedence in our lives. We're grateful for their contribution. We honor our parents by loving them for who they are, giving them precedence in our lives. That means to make them a priority in our lives and being grateful for their contribution. We recognize how they've enriched our lives. Just as God deserves our honor because of who he is and what he has done, so our parents deserve our honor because of who they are and because of what they've done. Now, you may be asking the question, what about those parents that haven't cared for their children? What about those parents that haven't been there for their children, have not loved their children? Well, before we address that question, let's just look at what it might look like to honor our parents in different seasons of life. About 15 years ago, uh, Judy and I, we had been in, in Brazil for uh, 18 years. Um, God had given us three daughters there. And uh, we discerned that it was time for us to return to Canada. So we discussed this with our children. We talked to other people and came to the, to the decision that we should return. Um, so communicated that to those in authority over us, to church leaders, to, to conference leadership. One day, a Sunday afternoon, I was driving through Sao Paulo, my youngest daughter in the back seat. Uh, she's uh, thinking about what we're doing, and finally she asked, so Dad, did you tell the church leaders that we're going back to Canada? And I said, I did. So she's quiet for a while, and then she says, well... I'm 11. I guess I have to go with you. Um, but don't expect me to stay. Okay. So after some painful goodbyes, because, you know, Brazil was home for them. The church family was their family. After some really painful goodbyes, we returned to Canada. And I think, okay, I'm going to do the fatherly thing. I'm going to be wise as a father. So I gather the family around the table. We're having breakfast. And I say to the girls, girls, why do you think God brought us back to Canada? And the, my youngest daughter just gasped, and she says, you mean to tell me that we moved from Brazil to Canada and you don't know why? <laughs> so it wasn't getting any better for her. Like, why should she obey this father who didn't know what he was doing? <laughs> why should children obey their parents? Listen to Paul's instruction for children. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. So he's quoting the fifth word. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. To obey means to listen to, to submit to the authority of another. The first reason Paul gives to obey parents is that it's done in the Lord. So children, as they honor their parents, they learn to submit to the authority of Jesus. They learn to follow him. Secondly, he says that this obedience is right. Obedience to parents, it conforms to the God-ordained way of life. God has given us family so that children will learn to submit to authority. As parents... Um, exercise their authority, children learn what it looks like to submit to Jesus. Parents, in a sense, they stand in for God for a time. They demonstrate to children what God's authority looks like. At least that is the way God has intended it. 
And so a child obeys his or her parents to grow in his or her relationship with God. It's like learning to ride a bike with training wheels. The children is to learn to ride, but needs training wheels. And so the parents are present there in the child's life to help the child ride. But the purpose of learning to ride is never to keep the training wheels. The child is, learn, is to learn to ride on by him, himself or by herself. And so learning to ride means to learn to follow Jesus, learn to understand God's will for the child's life, learn to submit to that will, learn to love God, learn to love others. The parents are there to help the child, guide the child in that direction. But the training wheels are never to remain there forever. The purpose for the training wheels, is to get the child to ride. What about a Christian child with non-believing parents? Sometimes the tension and strife are unavoidable, and Jesus recognizes this. This is what he says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. The principle is that whoever is subject to the authority of another should obey as long as that obedience does not conflict with his or her conscience before God. Sometimes parents do resist their children putting Jesus first. They resist their children's decisions which are being made under the authority of Jesus, their decisions around ministry, around family, around relationships, around education, career. Sometimes parents are not honoring God in the way that they think about life, and children have to decide what they should do in those circumstances. Children are not to obey their parents in absolutely every situation without exception, because that would be idolizing them. They are to obey in a way that is compatible with their primary loyalty to Jesus. Well, of course, the relationship changes over time. For how long should children obey their parents? Well, into their teen years, young adulthood. I think the wisdom of Scripture is instructive for all ages. Listen to Proverbs chapter 13. A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Proverbs 19, verse 26. He who does violence to his father and chases away his mother is a son who brings shame and reproach. So if you are a teen, if you are a young adult, listen to the wisdom of your parents. If you have believing parents, their wisdom often, most often, comes out of their relationship with God, their life experience. Express gratitude for their contribution in your life. Speak well of them to others. When I was 19, as I said earlier, I had come to faith in Jesus and I had asked for forgiveness uh, for my rebellion, but I actually still had a lot of unresolved issues. Surprise, surprise. So I went off to college in South Carolina and as a young adult, you know, studying, you know, psychology and other things, I, I spent time evaluating my life. I spent time evaluating my upbringing, my family environment. Nothing wrong with doing that, but the way that we think about ourselves, I think, needs to be uh, uh, tempered in light of Scripture. While I was there in college, I uh, volunteered in a juvenile correction center. 
And today I would say that I was the one actually under rehabilitation. But while I was there, as I walked with young teens, I discovered that their life experience had been so different from mine. It wasn't unusual for those young imprisoned teens to try to escape just a few days before the end of their jail term. Why would they do that? Well, they wanted to extend their jail term. Being in prison was a much better scenario than being back in their dysfunctional families or living on the street. At least in prison, they knew where the next meal would come from. They knew that they would have a roof over their heads. They knew that their beds would be clean. They knew that there were counselors there that would listen to them, care for them. And so right near the end of their jail term, they would attempt an escape. And so as I listened to their family stories and thought about my family, I began to become aware of how good I had actually had it. In my home, I never wondered about where the next meal would come from. It just appeared on the table miraculously, right? I had a place to sleep. The sheets were clean. My parents weren't perfect, but they gave me their best. And my rebellion was actually just a sign of my immaturity, my limited understanding. I was self-centered. I was self-absorbed. So what I would say is this. As I look back on my life, analyzing my home environment, did I learn some things? Yes. But did it set me free? No. Analyzing my parents, blaming my parents for different things, did it ever set me free? No. What set me free? What set me free was owning my own stuff, (laughs) repenting for my sin, submitting to Jesus, learning to honor God, and as I honored God, learning to honor my parents. A culture of dishonor, a culture of disrespect never sets us free. Sometimes we think we're so justified in the things that we say, the things that we think about those in authority over us, but that culture of dishonor never sets us free. A culture of honor does. Parents, they're to be honored for all of life, but the relationship, it changes over time. The kind of obedience that we expect from a young child is not the kind of obedience that we expect from a teenager. So I mentioned our our youngest daughter, uh, who has taught me many things. So at 11, she was wondering why we had returned to Canada. A year later, so now she's 12, she comes up to me one day and she says, Dad, my best friend from Brazil has invited me to go to South Korea with her family, so I'm going to South Korea after Christmas. And I said, "Uh, well, we'll see. And this was her response. I'm not making this up. I'm not asking for your permission. (laughs) So I had a decision to make as a parent, right? Am I going to let her pursue this path and live with the consequences? Or am I just going to crush her dream to go to Korea with her best friend? Which path am I going to take? Am I just going to exercise my authority because I have it? What did I say? I said, well, I'm not paying. (laughs) 
And she responded, well, I'll earn it myself. So she started working. And all she could do was babysit at 12 years of age. Almost every night she was out babysitting. And I think that she maybe earned about $400, you know, not enough to fly to South Korea. But what I forgot to do was to block her communication with her grandfather. So she talked to her grandfather about needing to go to South Korea to be with her best friend, and my dad had compassion on her, and so gave her the money, and she bought her a ticket. So I remember taking her to the airport, 12 years old, putting her on the cart. Korean Air was going to take her to Seoul. So I just said, okay, you people take care of her. I'm not a very good parent. You do your best. Off she went. Had a great time. Came back. And some of you are probably thinking, what an irresponsible parent. What were you thinking putting your child on a plane at 12 years of age on the way to Seoul, flying by yourself? Well, my point is this. I'm not making the point that all parents should do that, or if you're 12 years of age, I'm not saying that you should fly somewhere on your own. But for children to honor us as parents does not mean that they're going to conform their ways to our desires all the time. Children, they should seek our counsel with respect. They should ask for our wisdom. They should value our life experience. But the prolonged obedience of our children will lead to their immaturity. So we want our children to grow in the Lord. We want them to come to understand what it means to know Jesus and to follow them and to make good decisions in life. And sometimes that means taking a few risks. Do mature adults need to honor their aging parents? Most commentators would say that this fifth word was given, first of all, to mature adults. And what was in view was the care of aging parents. These adult children who were now parents were to reflect God's character to their children. Parents, they were to have the responsibility to teach their children what it looked like to honor God and honor parents, to live that culture of honor. As you know, the way that we relate to God, the way that we relate to our parents, it profoundly influences future generations. How do we honor aging parents? This question is very real for me. My father is 91. He lives in a retirement village in in Abbotsford, independent living. My mother is 90. She uh, just transitioned to a full-care facility. My mother-in-law is 90 and lives in our home. So three aging parents living different realities. What does it look like for me as a mature adult? You're questioning my maturity right now. But what does it look like for me as an adult? What does it look like for me to honor my parents? Proverbs 23 Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. So honor includes ascribing value to our parents even when they are in a very dependent situation, when they can no longer care for themselves. The call is for us to honor them, to provide for them, to look after them. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 5, verse 4, But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. 
Verse 8, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. An honorable, respectful, affectionate relationship with our parents is a profound, practical testimony in this culture of dishonor within which we live here in Canada. As God cares for his people who are dependent on him for every breath, so we as Christian adult children are to care for our aging parents. If we don't value the lives of the elderly, we so dishonor. What about children that live in between cultures? And so maybe the way of life that the parents have experienced is quite different from what the children experience here in Canada. And the children, they feel like they're in between, torn. It's so easy in that situation for a child to say, well, my parents just don't understand what it means to live in this culture. The way that they think is from another place. I need to chart my own path. So this is an important question. First, different cultures understand obedience and honor in different ways. That's just a reality. But wherever possible, cultural perspectives, expectations should be respected. Second, ask the Lord for wisdom. The good news is that God is present to help us navigate these waters. We actually do not need to walk alone. And we are not the first to go down this path. Here in this church family in particular, there are many that can help us go down this path. We don't have to walk alone. All cultures need to be evaluated in light of Scripture, of course. Third, keep the conversation open. The tension between cultures, it's actually an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity to discover the truth of God that transcends all cultures. I think of a mother who moved to Canada with her children. And the children in the new land, they were discovering that dating relationships were so different, that uh, appropriate and inappropriate clothing, it was so different in Canada. Um, The relationships between uh, children, parents, and grandparents, between generations, so different in the new land. But the mother kept the conversation open. As they walked this journey together, in the midst of tension, they saw it as an opportunity for growth, and those children transitioned well. And so if you find yourself in this kind of circumstance, I would encourage you, grandparents, parents, children, talk to one another. Keep the conversation open. Discover together what God's truth is. We are all called to honor God and to honor our parents, to honor our elders. We honor our parents by esteeming them in every culture, every phase of life, and every circumstance. And now probably the most delicate question, is it necessary to honor parents who have not been there for us? And maybe that's your life experience. Your parents actually have not been there loving you, caring for you. They've been absent or they've been abusive. Then what should you do? Well, first point, the call to honor is not based on your parents' performance. It's based on who God is. 
We honor people because of who God is. Second, when we dishonor our parents, we actually rob ourselves of dignity. When we live a culture of dishonor and disrespect, we often spend time wallowing in our pain, infecting others with our bitterness. And this culture of dishonor, it never sets us free. What happens is we just keep on spinning our wheels. It's hard for us to actually move forward. Thirdly, when we dishonor our parents, we teach our children to dishonor us. One of the things that I've noticed more and more as I've grown older is that family identity is really important. If I speak badly of my parents to my children, it actually has an impact on how they understand themselves, their sense of worth, their self-acceptance. As I said earlier, we are all connected to our families of origin, and so to speak well of, to honor, is really important. We don't want to pass on to our children a culture of dishonor. And then fourth, living that culture of dishonor, it really drains a lot of energy. Physical, emotional, spiritual, at the end of the day, it undermines our relationship with God. So we honor our parents for the glory of God, for our sake, and for the sake of our children, no matter what our parents have done. Now, did you notice that there's a promise attached to this word? The fifth one is the only word that has a promise attached to it, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Belong in the land, that's a Hebrew phrase that means to experience God's abundant blessing. Or as Jesus would say later in John 10.10, to receive abundant life. For Israel, in the land of Canaan, this promise, it had a, a collective meaning. It meant that if the people of Israel honored their parents, they would dwell long in the promised land. Paul then applies it to the disciples of Jesus. With obedience and honor comes blessing and favor. And so God promises well-being and favor to those who honor their parents. We honor our parents, yes, in order to receive God's reward, to live under God's favor. We honor our parents in order to live under God's favor. And then one more thing. Jesus, he um, extends the application of this principle to our spiritual family. According to Jesus, his parents, brothers, sisters are those who do the will of his father. And so his mother and brothers come to see him. And this is what he says, Matthew 12, verse 49. And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And so as followers of Jesus, here's our family. Our family is our spiritual family. Our parents are members of this church family. Our brothers and sisters are here seated with us. Paul uses the language of family to describe the local church family. Practically speaking, how do we do that? How do we honor our brothers and sisters in Christ? Well, we do that by giving precedence to them, making time for them, inviting them into our homes, including them, loving them, caring for them, praying for them, mentoring, discovery groups, life groups, community groups, fellowship groups, 
We prioritize our brothers and sisters in Christ. We honor them. Maybe you have come from a family where there was a lot of dishonor. One of the great ways to learn to honor people is to observe a Christian family that lives this culture of honor. You just observe their relationships and you discover how parents should be honored, how siblings should relate to each other, how parents should relate to their children. That's a gift of the church family to us. If we, if we don't care for our brothers and sisters in Christ, if we don't care for those who are following Jesus together with us, how will we ever reach out beyond the church family to the widow? to the orphan, to the sick, to the disabled, to the poor? How will we ever love our enemies? One of our members shared an interesting story with me this week. He was on his motorcycle with some friends, and they stayed in a campsite. And next to his campsite, there was another group uh, partying all night long. No one could sleep. So the next morning, what he did is he went and bought cinnamon rolls for that group that partied all night long. Those people that had been partying, they could not believe what our friend from our church family was doing. They expected him to come across the campsite and rebuke them. But then he invited them over for breakfast, and he discovered that they were hell's angels. But experiencing the love of Jesus in a campsite, right? I think of um, a teenage orphan that uh, came to our church family in Sao Paulo, and they were embraced by one of the church families. And so as this teenage orphan attended our church, Uh, The members of the church became his parents, became his siblings. He became a part of the the youth group. Eventually, he gave his life to Jesus. And when he entered adulthood, what did he do? He started a ministry to young people in urban slums. So he had received the grace of God. He had experienced the love of Jesus. And then as he entered adulthood, he passed that love on to others. We honor our parents because this relationship with our parents, it is the school that God has designed for us to learn to honor every member of our spiritual family. A strong and united church family is a powerful, magnetic, healing presence in a society that cultivates dishonor. People are looking for authentic relationship, authentic community. So much of life is superficial, a world of images, and people yearn for authentic relationship. I think of the many that come to Willingdon looking for a home, looking for family, looking for a sense of belonging. Maybe they don't have family in this city, or maybe they come from a family that is broken, but they come here looking for love. They may be new to Canada. They may be new to the city. But wherever they come from, may we as God's people live a culture of honor in our biological families, in this church family. May we place each other in a place of esteem, of honor, of value, recognizing that those in this family are God's gift to us, giving them of our time, offering listening ears, inviting them into our homes. Why? Because that is what God would do. 
because that is what God would do. We honor people because we serve a God who lives a culture of honor. And God, in his immense grace, as we have surrendered our lives to Jesus, has honored us and now calls us his sons and daughters. Do we deserve that? Never. None of us has done anything to deserve that. God has gifted us with that honor. So a question for you. Who is it that God wants you to honor today? And as I ask that question, probably a name or two comes to mind. Who is God asking you to honor today? And the second question, what would it look like for you to honor that person? What is the step that God is asking you to take? May we take those steps today. Let's stand for prayer. So, Father, we thank you again for who you are. (laughs) You are steadfast in your love, and you are faithful and slow to anger, and holy and righteous and just and present in our lives by your Holy Spirit. And it's because of your grace that we have been drawn to you and that we are your children. And so, Lord, we ask that you teach us to honor you and to honor our parents, to honor those that you have placed in our lives. Forgive us, Father, because we fall short so often, and we can be so judgmental of those in authority over us. We can be so judgmental of our brothers and sisters. Forgive us. Lord, may we remember that we are here only by your grace. None of us deserve to be here. None of us deserve to be called your sons and daughters. But we are because of Jesus, your son. And so we thank you again, Jesus, for making it possible for us to know the Father, making it possible for us to be your family making it possible for your Holy Spirit to abide in us. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, to guide us, to lead us into all truth, to empower us to live this word to honor our father and mother. And now, Lord, I pray your blessing on your people. The prayer that Aaron prayed over the families of Israel. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.